I was starting to go outside that box. You know, when you think of the box, the range of normal, you know, 37 to 42 weeks, I was now going outside of that box. And so I wanna preface this by saying, the choices that I make for myself are not necessarily the choices that I think are right for everyone. Different bodies. Yeah, we have different bodies, we have different experiences, and what it was safe for me may not be safe for everyone. We all have different things, right? Certainly, yeah. And even within my own clients, I don't always like to share this story because I never want someone to think, because I made a choice, I think that's what everyone should do. This is Pros Talk Pregnancy the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. I'm talking with visionaries and game changers who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mom of four, lover of the mountains, seeker of knowledge, exercise physiologist, birth doula, and childbirth educator. Basically, I'm an all-around pregnancy and birth nerd. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better and empowering professionals and families alike. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm joined by my amazing partner in crime, partner of 20 plus years, father of our four kids, and we are going to be chatting all about our third birth. Yeah, we are. So to catch you up, first birth was in 2007. So you can listen to that experience. Second birth, 2009. And that birth was really the catalyst for a lot of change, especially for me. Yeah, I'd say, I think we talked about in that one that uh, it was kind of the catalyst for you becoming birth, not just an experience, but a career path yeah as life mission really mission yeah yeah so after that birth july of 2009 pretty much immediately i went to doula training i started attending births um very quickly after that i took my childbirth education training and i became a hypnobabies instructor i also in that same time because as soon as i started attending births i started realizing I thought I was leaving exercise physiology behind. I thought I was like stepping into this fully new career path, but I realized at the very first birth, actually, which was a very long birth, I realized that I couldn't leave that behind, that there was this disconnect between those two modalities that I needed to bring together. And that's really what I, what body writing method has become. Yeah. Cause I think I remember you were taking more than just birth trainings at this time. You also continued taking more trainings in the like exercise and just expanding area. my exactly. knowledge and working with so many different clients and bodies. Yeah. And I think I always say the births were my greatest teacher. I learned a lot just by going to births with this, a lot of them, this brain. <laughs> yeah. You, he had to be the one with the kids during yeah. all of that. So funny, funny story of that. I don't know if you remember this, but nighttime births and I was still breastfeeding through all of this. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would very, I would get a bottle of, breast milk kind of ready to go for these middle of the night births. And I would kind of gently place my hand on your sleeping shoulder because I didn't want you to not be aware, but to know there's there's some breast milk right here. I'm leaving. And the thing with birth work is you don't know if you're going to be gone for three hours or three days. Yeah. Well, I will say that's that's a, a much gentler awakening than most birthing parents get when the baby wants food. Of course. A nice little 
hand on your shoulder. Hey, sweetie, I'm going now. The bottle's ready. It's pretty nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I, to be a birth worker's partner is yeah. a lot because, because you have your own job and your own things and we have, and I won't pretend like it wasn't a lot. Yeah. And, I, and speaking to all the birth partners out there, um, I would say that you, at that moment, when, when the hand is placed on you and you know, it's kind of all on your hands and it's like three in the clock in the morning, you have, you basically have two choices at that point. You can either feel sorry for yourself and start thinking about all the stressors and get yourself, get all worked up and not sleep. Or two, you can realize these are the moments I only have a few of. I only can have a baby. I can only be a parent to this baby for so long. I'm going to be present and do the best I can. Those are the two choices you have. And every time you choose the second, it's so much easier and more fulfilling. Yeah. I Before we get into the birth, because now we're talking about like birth worker, because yeah. I feel like we should do a whole episode on what it takes to be a birth worker's partner, because it's a lot. But do you remember that one birth? It was pretty long. I think this was actually it's later on. Well, there's a lot. There's been some of those. But the one where we ran out of frozen breast milk. Oh, yeah. Of course I remember. <laughs> and actually, I had been at a birth a couple weeks earlier, and I had forgotten some breast milk in the fridge that a different birth worker had like, I'll take it for you and put it in my freezer. And so us birth workers, we all work together. You joked that there was like random people showing up at, at our door with three different milk. people, one of them being your sister. Yeah. So <laughs> thank God that we all have each other and you can't work in this industry without support from each other. So anyway, thank God I have a partner that was able to support me through birth work. And some days better than others. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. It's not always easy. And, you know, after birth, I'm zapped. And so some of our probably biggest arguments are after that mm -hmm. because the nervous systems are flooded. For sure. And I feel like sometimes it would even be, hey, this birth wasn't even overnight. You were only there for two hours. Why are you still so drained? And it wasn't until later in life I realized the emotional drain that happens when you're a birth worker because you're at a this beautiful moment and so many emotions are going on. You could just see a miracle. How are you not going to be drained emotionally? Yeah. It's intense to hold that space. Even in sure. a good way. Yeah. Even in a good way. Yeah, definitely. You have to reset after birth. Okay. So that was super fun. I feel like we could talk about that forever. Let's talk though about, so that 2009, 2010, I am deep in this work. I am um, working with Katie Bowman. So if anyone know her, I love her nutritious movement. At that time, it was called restorative exercise. So I was getting really into pelvic floor health, the core, and really starting to make some connections. Then I got pregnant. And this was exciting because I'm like, teaching yoga several times a week, prenatal yoga, and just doing all the birthy things. So I felt very confident. Mm -hmm. We hired the same midwife that we had for our first home birth, planning another home birth. And let's talk, I mean, that whole pregnancy was just really great. And I'm doing all the things I'm continuing to attend births and teach yoga and teach hypno babies, et cetera. And I will jump in just a minute here to say that that's, it, it's a good point to say that uh, the birth the birth partner can't just sit there and watch all of this learning being done by the birthing person and see all these things that their knowledge, they're deepening, things that they are getting sorted out for what they want, and have me just sit back and do nothing and only hear what what she had to say. I re kind of realized at that point too, seeing how much she was doing, I need to start wrestling with any questions I still have. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And it was great. And we, we, we really had a great experience. We were still living in that itty bitty house that we talked about in 2009, where we had to push the couch in front of the front door to make space for the birth tub. But then Matt finished his graduate degree and you got your first post-grad art, like big, big person job, full-time job, right? Working with inner city teens in North Minneapolis. And we, because of that, were able to purchase our first home. So it was a short sale. Yeah. And really lucky. We got, we were so lucky with that house because we were looking at a lot of houses in our um, price range that were fine, but just um, very small. And I really was hoping for central air for like air conditioning. And none of them offered. Yeah. And they're all just, they were fine. But we, when we saw the house that we ended up buying, I was like, are you sure this is in our budget? Because it was twice the size. It was big enough for our whole family. Yeah. And we were like adding a third kid. And so we didn't know it was going to be what's called a short sale. And so we weren't sure if it was going to go through, but we were like, this is it. This is the one. And it was in North Minneapolis. And um, we were really stressed out because we had packed our boxes. And I was like, I can't give birth amongst boxes. You remember? I was so stressed out about that. Well, in that tiny little house too, the boxes literally filled the house. You couldn't walk through places unless you did single file. Yeah. So I was like, how am I going to have the boxes? And I just, I was like really stressed about it. And what Matt said that really just made me feel good is, again, you like took it on. You say, if we're still here, when you give birth, I will take all of these boxes and I will put them in the basement. Now this basement is like steep stairs into this. It's more, it almost felt more like a bomb shelter. Yeah. It, it's, it's a really, it wouldn't have been easy to put all our boxes down there, but you let me know. Basically all I needed to hear was I've got you. If it happens, I'll, I'll take it on and you won't have to worry about it at all. That's well, all I needed. Well, and the key to that was she knew I would. Like, yeah. I wasn't just going to say this. For sure. I she did know you would. That I would. And she knew I could. Yeah. <laughs> And so I was able to just be like, okay, it's fine. It will be fine. We did get the house. 35 weeks was mm-hmm. when we got it. And we moved in when I was 35 weeks pregnant. But we And it was actually like sooner than we even thought. So it yeah. went, it just all worked out. It was, it was great. So around that time that we were moving in, I got a phone call mm-hmm. from WCCO, which is an, our local, a local news station. And they said, we've been tasked to do a story on hypnobabies. So that was the childbirth education class that I was teaching at the time. And at the time I was the only teacher in the state. I had essentially brought it to the state of Minnesota. And um, so they were like, we Googled and we found your name and we're wondering if any of your students would be interested in having a news crew kind of follow their journey and then go to their birth. <laughs> and that's a big ask for my students. I was yeah. teaching hypnobabies, but that's a big ask to say, hey, you want a news crew at your birth? And I said, you know what? And I felt so confident. I was just in my fully trusting birth, trusting myself, just really deep in this work. And I said, well, I actually happen to be whatever I was, 36 weeks pregnant, 37 weeks pregnant right now. Why don't you just come to my birth? Mm -hmm. And so I invited a full news crew for my birth. And in fact, that story is still up online. Sometimes they don't get the video like the video will come up and down, but you can still find that whole story. Like Google Lindsay McCoy WCCO or I'll find it. We'll put it in the show notes if it's still around. Now what happened, I think the next thing for us to kind of talk about is 
how much past my guest date I went. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think leading up into that too, even with the WCCO, so I knew that my my approach as the birth partner was literally just to, um, if Lindsay was comfortable with it and she was pursuing it, I knew that it, she felt good and that was some, something she wanted to do. But I also had to like, I don't know, think about it for myself. I think lots of times as birth partners, we think our only role is to support the birthing person and we forget ourselves. And I feel like it's really important to remember yourself as the birthing partner, because that's how you come not stressed. That's how you come knowing what you want out of the birth. And I don't know, it's how you show up in a way that's different than just supporting alone. If that makes sense. Because I think that'll come into it when you start talking about the next thing you're going to roll into. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, the stats show us that the average first time birther gives birth about eight days past their guest date. I like to say eight to 10 because I feel like I really see it more in the 10 day range. Our first birth was induced one, one, day, one day after 40 weeks. Second birth was 40 plus six. So not quite 41 weeks. So I'm thinking yeah, I'll probably be around 41 weeks again. That's what I was thinking. So then when we went two and past 42 weeks, I was still very confident that my baby was okay. I was very in tune. I was never felt nervous about that, but I was starting to go outside that box. You know, when you think of the box, the range of normal, you know, 37 to 42 weeks, I was now going outside of that box. And so I want to preface this by saying the choices that I make for myself are not necessarily the choices that I think are right for everyone. Different bodies. Yeah, we have different bodies. We have different experiences. And what it was safe for me not, may not be safe for everyone. We all have different things, right? Correct. Certainly, yeah. Yeah, and so, and even within my own clients, I don't always like to share this story because I never want someone to think because I made a choice, I think that's what everyone should do. Mm -hmm. And that's not what I think at all. So this was the choice that I made for me and I chose to continue with my pregnancy until... Mm -hmm my baby decided to be born. And I feel very grateful that during that experience, nobody ever made me feel bad, nervous, or confused. I was doing enough of that on my own. Yes, I was confident, but also it's a special place to go past 42 weeks. Mm. It's a special place to get to 41, but going past 42 is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that's mentally. Yeah. And I think that's what I was kind of alluding, alluding to a couple other times about the birth partner continuing to do their own inner work too, because if something like that happens and you're supporting your, your partner, um, but you have questions lingering in your own spirit about like, well, I'm not sure what I think, is this okay? Is it too, too much? And you have to be honest with those questions. You have, yeah. to, you have to seek out answers. You have to talk to your partner. I know you've seen your provider. Basic, yeah. Because here's the, the deal. Partners don't do this. Yes. And you as a partner and a lot of partners and a lot of providers, I see, cause I attend a lot of births and support a lot of people. I see the stress that is dumped on that still pregnant person when they get, sure. usually it's around 41 weeks that mm -hmm. the stress starts pushing. Why are you still pregnant? When can we schedule your induction? something's wrong. It's like people think you get to 40 weeks and that's like the pillar optimal health of the baby and it goes downhill from there. And it's not, that's not how it is necessarily. And so anyway, I went, I ended up going 
43 and a half weeks. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And actually ended up having our smallest baby yep. with the most vernix, mm-hmm. which vernix tends to be, for those of you who don't know, tends to be more prevalent earlier. And my my midwife said my placenta d- looked around the four, like a 39-week placenta. And so it just shows that we were in tune and we knew we also did a biophysical profile. You remember the ultrasound? Mm-hmm. So we were checking to make sure that Those it was levels were still safe. Everything was great. We yeah. were we we kept checking and everything continued to be safe. Mm-hmm. It continued to show everything showed it was still safe to continue to be pregnant. Mm-hmm. If any of that had been different, we maybe would have made very likely would have made a different yeah. choice. Yeah. And I wouldn't have gotten peace of mind as the partner if I hadn't have known like, well, when I go to this appointment, what am I looking for? Yeah. If I haven't like asked the questions to know what I'm nervous about, I can't get the answers to help me feel better. Yeah. And I'm sure Jeannie was a little nervous, but she, she never really put it shy. on me. Yeah. yeah. She is really good at not showing it. And, you know, I've talked to her after I became a birth worker and when she would get nervous about someone, she would just say, you know, like Lindsay's been on my mind. Lindsay's on my mind right now. Mm-hmm. Bless her. She she um, passed away from breast cancer a few years ago, but she has changed so many lives, so many birth lives. And I just really appreciated her approach to not putting the stress on me because how is feeling like your nervous system upregulated, like you're running from a tiger? How is that going to allow you to relax into labor? It's not going to help anything. Well, she taught me a lot too, going to those prenatals with her and mm-hmm. seeing how gentle she'd ask questions. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from her about how to ask questions about a birthing person's body. Yeah. To like, I don't know, have them answer instead of saying what the answer is, but what in the question, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like yeah. telling you what you feel before you sure. actually know. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really good. I had this beautiful bubble of peace set up at the end of pregnancy. You were inside my bubble of peace. Jeannie was inside my bubble of peace, which bubble of peace is a hypnobaby's term. It's really beautiful because it's like, these are the, my safe people. You know, I had a doula. Her name was Nicole Stecker. She's now a labor and delivery nurse. And um, I just had this bubble. There was people outside the bubble that was nervous, mm-hmm. you know, News crew and rightly Sue. I don't think the news crew was nervous as much as when are we going to get this call to go sure. to this birth? They're not used to be on on call. I had a birth photographer. I felt so bad that people were on call for so long, and I think my mom, labor and delivery nurse, was was the most nervous, mm. just being like, "This is not normal. This is not in the box of my typical understanding." And so she was rightly nervous, yeah. but um, I was strong. I was in my bullet police. And now let's maybe talk about the birth. Sure, sure. <laughs> we spent a lot of time talking about pre-birth. So the birth started. Oh, and actually, did I talk about how grouchy I was every morning? No. Okay. So I was confident in my choice, but that doesn't mean that I was enjoying mm. being pregnant. And I think I assumed that I was just going to be the one person that never gave birth. And I was just going to be pregnant for the rest of my life. I think people get there and I was really, really, really there. And so I kept going to sleep and I would like think of it in my mind, like, okay, statistically, how much longer can I really go? Like eventually I'm going to give birth. Right. And so I'd go to sleep thinking that, and I'd wake up still pregnant. And I was so annoyed that I was still pregnant. So annoyed. And I'm so grateful for Matt in this because he allowed me that space to be grouchy and probably not super fun to be around. I would give myself that as well. I had that first hour of the day, just like leave me alone. And you did, you would like take the kids and make sure, like I didn't have responsibilities except to just wallow. <laughs> I didn't have to be pregnant. 
So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have that to hold so I could hold other things. I was so done. And so I gave myself that hour and then I was like, all right, there's no reason to continue freaking out and stressing out and being grumpy. It is what it is. Continue with my day. So I gave myself the time and the feelings and then I moved on. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by the Body Ready Method, our game-changing, interactive, fully online course for perinatal and birth professionals who want to elevate the way they serve their clients. We teach you how to help your clients prepare their bodies for a more functional pregnancy and efficient birth, and teach you what to do when, during birth, through the lens of birth biomechanics. Gain confidence and new skills to support your clients. Sign up for the waitlist for our next cohort at bodyreadymethod.com. And I think I did a lot of pros and cons of like, this is why it's okay to still be pregnant. I don't have to wake up with a baby yet. I don't know. And so I just did everything I could to remain positive. When I think it, it helped you, you were a verbal processor. So you would say so many things out loud too. Mm. And I think from the partner side, it was best just to listen to them mm. and not try to like say more because sometimes when they're, when someone's in like the, you know, freaking out or just trying to convince themselves things are okay. Trying to fix everything is not the answer either. Yeah. But just holding the space. Yeah. yeah. So we ended up, uh, the morning of, so she was due in April. Mm-hmm. And she ended up um, May 19th, morning of May 19th. And we joked that she was going to make it all the way to June. And that's why we named her June. <laughs> and so her name is June. We didn't know if it was a boy or girl yet. But we that morning of May 19th, the contractions or the pressure waves began. And remember, my previous birth was very fast, like mm-hmm. two hours total, maybe. Yeah. And so I let my team know like, Hey, things are starting, you know, having all the signs, contractions, bloody show, et cetera. And, um, they were kind of like, okay, make sure you get us there in time. We know how fast and efficient you tend to birth. And I proceeded to have very gentle contractions kind of on and off throughout the day. Mm-hmm. You know, I would stop and breathe through them. I tried not to time them too much. You know, I tried to just kind of go through my day, hanging out with the kids. I, I remember we had frozen pizza but for I was lunch. Timing them. Oh, you were timing them. I, well, was, that's good. I was mentally keeping track so that you didn't have to mentally exactly, keep Exactly. Because I, you shouldn't have to be in your like thinking, judging, planning brain. Exactly. And so I'm just trying to flow. And we should say in my preparation, my mental preparation, a lot of that I spend time visualizing my birth. And I visualized... And people think this is nuts, but I visualized a longer birth because I, I just felt like I wanted more time to kind of process and move through things. And I also visualized a daytime birth because I really wanted the kids involved. Mm-hmm. And we had a birth photographer. I just wanted a daytime birth. I didn't want to be up at night. Yeah. So whether, I mean, then that is interestingly what happened. I really yeah. do believe in the power, not that we can 100% control things, but my visualizations really worked. Yeah, you did move things to right. What was it like? Five fifty-five is when she was born. Yeah, five fifty-five p.m. was the time of birth. So, yeah. so let's backtrack from there. So it was kind of like a twelve-hour birth-ish. Yeah, it was a lot. Kind of longer, all day, but chill. But it wasn't like I was contracting every two minutes for yeah. all of that. A lot of that was me just kind of playing with the kids, and every once in a while I'd stop and breathe and yeah. kind of move through the day. So it was really gentle and really beautiful. Um, it kind of flowed really beautifully. So around, I don't know what time it was. 
I don't know how long they were even at our house, but you, I think it was you that was like, it's time to call everyone. I think it was like three something. Yeah. You were like, okay, this is where I think we probably started timing them when we're like, I think it's time to call everyone. Mm -hmm. I think I, this was actually the birth where I was really interested in checking my own cervix. Cause I was like, I'm a doula. I'm not ever going to be checking anyone else's cervix. I want to see what it feels like. And so I even checked my cervix and I was like, I don't really feel anything. I can spread my fingers quite wide. All I feel is kind of a head up there. <laughs> TMI maybe, but not for birth pros. No. And, and we told Jeannie that and she's like, okay, I think it's probably time for us to come. So they were ready to go when it was time to go. I think they were probably waiting at home to be called anyway. And so they all arrived. The, the news crew arrived, the midwife arrived, the doula arrived, everyone started showing up. And I remember Amber, so Amber LeBlanc, she's still a practicing home birth midwife. Um, this was her first birth as primary. So she was Jeannie's apprentice for our previous birth. And we said, hey, you can be primary for this one. Sounds great. And so she was checking, listening, doing things. I was on my back in the bed. We have some pictures of this. And I had like a really gentle wave or contraction. I didn't really need to breathe through. I could easily talk through it but I faked it. <laughs> I say I faked a contraction. Like people fake orgasms. I faked a contraction. And when you're in that moment in your brain, to me, I was like, oh shoot, everyone's here. Like we've just rallied the troops essentially. Sure. What if this isn't it? This doesn't feel that hard. This doesn't feel that bad. Yes. I know I'm doing hypno babies, but like, I'm not even needing to breathe through this. So in my brain, I'm thinking, oh, crap, I better like make this seem real because it is real, but I want them to know it's real. Mm -hmm. And so I just like breathed more and closed my eyes more than I really needed to. Sure. Because things, and this happens, folks, when you, when either you go into your place of birth, like a hospital or birth center, or the people come to you, that change, that shift, that shift of energy can sometimes slow things down for a little bit. Cause you have to kind of recenter. Sure. And so I think that's what happened for me. Things kind of, kind of had that little lull, or it could have been the rest and be thankful, hmm. which is kind of this, when you're done dilating right before pushing. Hmm. So they could have been one of those two things. I'm not sure, but we had this lull. And so I faked the contraction. And then I, I told you, I think yeah. like, I need to be alone. Yep. Like this is too much. Sure. Get everyone out of here. <laughs> and so you took and everyone, the news crew, everyone left. Everyone went to downstairs Yep. and our room was upstairs. Luckily for the bigger house. Yeah. Yeah. We had more space. And so more than one bathroom too, mm -hmm. which was nice. Yeah. And, um, and this one had a birth tub basically built into the bathroom. Yeah. I think right? the reason we <laughs> bought this house was the, the huge jetted tub. Yeah. There was like a big tub. So we didn't have to fill up a tub. And so what we had that tub filled up with warm water and because of how fast last time went, I think I did that a few times throughout the day, to be honest. And everyone was gone. And so what I did, cause you don't even, you weren't even there for this. What I did was I went in the bathroom and I like did a deep squat. Basically I held onto the toilet and just like squatted down. I was like, all right, let's go. Like go time. I'm done with this. Everyone's here. Let's just have a baby. <laughs> and so I had a couple waves or contractions alone in the, um, bathroom and actually, no, I didn't. What I did was I got in the tub I did some squats and then I got in the tub. No, no, no. This is wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying I wasn't in there. I was downstairs. I remember it. I remember it clearly. So what happens was I had a big contraction, like a strong contraction, not yet in the tub after when I was squatting. 
And I was like, Ooh, that's a good one. Like I'm going to have this baby. Like, mm-hmm. so maybe it was rest and be thankful because I'm like, I think I'm going to push soon. Like this feels like that. And so what I did was I texted you. I texted, I'm ready for everyone to, to join me. And then what I did was I texted that. And then I got in the tub. So I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to get in this tub and have this baby. Everyone's going to join me. It's going to be great. And then I got in the tub and I waited. I had another contraction or wave in the tub and like a big one thinking this baby's going to come in maybe like the next few. I need some people here. This is the, this is go time. I don't want to be alone anymore. And I'm like, why is no one coming? (laughs) I could hear the kids down the hall. Our amazing doula was doing a lot of sibling support, more sibling doula type work. Thank God for doulas able to do whatever is needed because I'm more of an internal birther, don't need it in that way. And I was like, should I scream down the hall? And I was like, no, there's no emergency, right? Like there's no issue. And so what I did is I hauled my 43 and a half pregnant booty out of the tub after the next contraction, went over to my phone, realized that I had not hit send to that text and hit send to the text. And then within minutes, everyone was there. So, so then it was okay. But for that split second, I was thinking, everyone's in my house and I'm just going to give birth alone. (laughs) Like your new screw. Here's the baby. Hey, everyone's like, I hear crying upstairs. What's going on? And we all missed it. And so I, thankfully that didn't happen. And I got everyone up there. You know, they were just respecting my boundary, which Mm -hmm. I appreciated the, you know, the news crew was able to set up and everything. And we had the baby. So it was a couple of things about that. Um, She was born in the in the call, in the bag of water, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. I didn't get to see it, but you did. did. So yeah. tell me what you think. I remember thinking something was wrong because I had no idea. Mm, yeah. It looked like an alien coming out of you. <laughs> um, and I remember, uh, I think it was Jeannie who stepped in or maybe it was Amber who pulled it off mm. and seeing the baby change colors after the- Lift, after Lifting was, the veil, yeah, so to was, speak. was like, I did not expect to see that. And it was so cool. And I think it was because I transitioned from the first birth being like, I don't even want to be near your, your feet. I don't yeah, want to see anything. see anything. I'll be in the room Yeah. to that birth being by the feet. Anyway, it was and just like kind of, and, and I did like it. I, I was like, this is really cool. Yeah. And each birth, I feel like I got to see another cool thing. And this was the cool thing. And you got more and more involved. Yeah. So yeah. you were like catching. And I remember saying, you know, you have that intense pressure of the head and the crowning. And then I said that pressure instantly was gone. And I was like, are they out? And, she kind of slid. and you were like, oh, I see an ear. So at the point when the ear was coming out, I had lost all like I was like, no more pressure. Yeah. Like the baby must be out. And so you're like, no ear. And now it's this. And so you were kind of telling me, cause I was on my hands and knees and the, you were kind of in behind me yeah. in the tub and you were behind me and you and Amber together passed the baby through my legs and up to me yeah. to be born. And I don't think we have any pictures despite having a birth photographer of the baby in the call because there was a wall of children yeah and, watching and a news crew and a news crew there was a lot of people in the way yeah. and so uh the, the kids really wanted to be part and so it was really cool to have them there and to have them you know saying my peace cue and would um, you have a video of little 
toddler Jasper coming in with his like cape on. Yeah, they were wearing like being like, like it's a baby and like yeah. in like it was the coolest thing ever and celebrating it. So it's pretty cool to see how normalized birth is in our family and within our kids because yeah. they've just always been a part and they, you know, cut the cord. I think our oldest cut the cord for this one. And it's just really fun to see how they've progressed through all these births because we have one more to go after this. So um it was it was great. It was a beautiful birth. I didn't even realize after the birth, the reporter was asking me questions and I didn't even realize that it was being recorded and that even made it on the news. You know, I'm, I'm topless, but I have a baby on me in a blanket. So I was, you know, in my full birth bliss, just being, I think what I said was our whole family took up the whole bed. Yeah. I think what I said was, um, it, I, it's not pain. It's a strong sensation, but I don't, Literally within 10 minutes after that birth, I was saying like how amazing it was and how I didn't feel pain because to me, it's all about that perception. I train my brain to not perceive that strong sensation as pain. I've trained my brain to see it as a strong sensation. Yeah. Well, and I, I would say from the partner's perspective, what I learned the most about this birth mm. was to finally start to not just take cues from the birthing person and what they are learning and doing and to actually start to look at myself. Mm. And I don't think that's something I would have even known what I meant by that in during the second birth. Sure. Because I was like, what do you mean? I'm just going to do what she wants to do. Yeah. And that's a great way to support. But are you doing that just as a way to cash out, you know, to like, like oh, sure. she's going to make all the decisions and I'll just support it all. That's great. But what do you do when one of those things doesn't go as planned? Or you realize, actually, I do have a deep fear of that I didn't really address it and now it's here and it's happening and you know yeah for sure so I think that's why I kept bringing that up through this whole mm -hmm. podcast is I think I'm trying to get uh, birthing partners to see that this process is so much more than just supporting the birthing person it's also about supporting yourself yeah and the inner work and yes. allowing it to bring you together as a couple rather than push you apart exactly and it's the perfect time to prepare for emotionally supporting a new life together when yeah. the baby's here because let's be real parenting is hard it is and if you don't answer those questions that freak you out you don't deal with those emotions you don't want to deal with and you don't handle that in yourself you're gonna have a rude awakening when parenting comes around yeah we're parenting teens now yeah <laughs> it's not easy it's a continual it's hard in a process way it's hard yes. in a different way 100 yes and so that's it. I think birth is such a beautiful, I say, you know, I don't care what people choose for their birth, but I want you to choose for like, I want you to make a conscious decision. Mm -hmm. I want you to, because you have to in, in parenting, right? You have to ideally be conscious in the choices you're making as a parent. And if you can build those skills in pregnancy and birth, it's going to serve you so well parenting that kid for the rest of right. your and their life together. So how do we want to wrap this up? I don't know. I would just say that uh, my last thought is yeah. that birth is one of those things I've realized is such a miracle. You have to show up. And if you, if you, if you show up not prepared, that's the you that's going to show up. And you're going to be in this moment that you're going to remember the rest of your life. That's going to be one of the top tier moments you've ever experienced is you want to bring your real centered self to the table. Yeah. So just take some time to prepare, say, take some time to communicate with each other. Know that it's okay if it doesn't go the way you're planned. The goal isn't the outcome. Mm -hmm. Like 
other things could have happened. And actually, let's be real. All of our stuff with this birth happened postpartum. Yes. <laughs> so, so we won't go super deep into it, but we will just leave at saying, you know, we had this lovely experience. This mm-hmm. baby actually ended up, um, going into congestive heart failure, bubble of peace. Two weeks um, later. Yeah. 10 days postpartum. And it had a very, we had a very challenging first year, including her having open heart surgery at two and a half months. A lot of this is going to come up in our next birth story mm-hmm. because of the trauma. Yeah. And so it's not about the outcome either. We have our own trauma related to that experience, but a lot of that trauma was postpartum. But I believe that giving that baby the time that we, she was given mm-hmm. to grow giving that peaceful entrance really helped her. It helped us for sure to be able to go through the most 2012 was the most challenging year of our life. Honestly, probably even worse than 2020. Yeah. And we had a really hard 2020 (laughs) beyond just the 2020 everyone had, we had a lot of stuff going, go down. Um, but it was a really challenging year, but I think that we were able to navigate it as best as we could because of what had started in that pregnancy for sure. And so regardless of the outcome, know that you are setting yourselves up to be able to handle it. Yes. With what you do. Yep. Yeah. It's a great way to prepare for the rest of your life with a baby. Yeah. So I think that this third birth was really, you know, my first birth post being a birth worker. Mm -hmm. It was a really, really beautiful birth. I felt so loved and nurtured by the birth community. And let's just say that postpartum experience wouldn't have been the same without the birth community. We were really the ones that showed up for us big time a lot. Mm -hmm. So, um, so grateful for this community. If you're in the community, find or if you're a birth worker, find your community. You know, we have our BRM community that is worldwide. And we'd love to welcome you into that. Um, Find your local community. If you're pregnant, you know, make sure that you prepare. Make sure that you are making conscious decisions that are right for you, not because it's a decision your mom would make or even your doula would make. What is right for you? Tune into your intuition. I think that was what we did the most in that birth, in that pregnancy, was we tuned into our our intuition. And that is what allowed us to choose consciously the choices that were right for us for sure so let's leave it at that perfect right see you all later thank you for listening to pros talk pregnancy we are passionate about making the childbearing years better and as professionals when we work together that is when we see the greatest shifts is there a topic that you would like for us to dig into with an amazing birth pro that you know Or do you have a question around pregnancy, birth, or recovery that no one has quite yet been able to answer? We want to bring you the topics that you want to know about. So please submit a question, topic, or guest suggestion for the chance for it to become our next podcast episode at www.bodyreadymethod.com slash podcast dash submit. See you next time.